Hey everybody, it's Pastor Isaac, lead pastor of Shore Christian Church, and I'm so excited that you are checking out this sermon. I pray that it blesses you. It is from our latest series, I Am, and this series focuses on the seven I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. And we pray that this blesses you. If it does, we want to ask you to do two things. Uh, one, subscribe to our YouTube channel so that you can get more encouraging and empowering sermons like this every single week. And also, uh, if you want to help us get these sermons out to more people and uh, get the gospel out to, uh, to people that need it the most, uh, we encourage you to make a donation on the below link and it would be greatly appreciated. And we just pray that God blesses you through this sermon. Check it out. All right, good morning. Guys look fantastic. I made it, I survived. And yet in the midst of all of this excitement, I'm so thankful that God still speaks and God can still share wisdom and revelation so that I could share it with you guys this morning. Jesus has just washed all the disciples' feet and now he begins to, to share 34 some of his final words. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. That's how the world knows that we belong to Christ is by our love, how we treat other people. I want that to be what our church is known for, not known for uh, how many people are in our church, not known for our music, not known for our preaching, but I want our church to be known for how we love one another because that's what Jesus says he wants his church to be known for. And in this moment, Simon Peter uh, then uh, goes ahead and says, uh, Lord, uh, where are you going? Jesus is telling him, I have to go. I, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And uh, Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will later on. And then Peter asks, uh, Lord, why cannot we follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus said, will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Because you're about to deny me three times and completely disown me. Um, and you think you're going to lay down your life for me. Uh, get real, Peter. Not yet. Uh, but yet, uh, Jesus goes on in chapter 14. Because he could tell that the disciples were unsettled. And Jesus says to them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would not have told you that where I am going, I will prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. And I can see like in this moment, everyone's like, yeah, like we, we know. Like, kind of faking it. Like, you ever tell someone is faking that they know what you're talking about, but they really don't want to make themselves look dumb, so they just keep their mouth shut and say, yeah, oh, yeah, like physics, great, awesome. You know, like, like no, not all of them are confused except Thomas. I love Thomas uh, because Thomas is like, um, over here, Jesus, right here. Um, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? You're always speaking parables and hyperbole. Like, how can we know anything? You're so ambiguous, Jesus. And, and uh, I'm so thankful for Thomas because we would have never had the answer to that question unless Thomas spoke up and wasn't like a, a sissy about it, but he actually spoke up and said, we don't know, Jesus. And Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then one person's really excited about that. 
Hopefully by the end, everybody will be excited about that. There's my, yeah, put your hand up. That's right. That's my man back there rooting me on. That's right. If I could get love from one person, I'm okay with that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9. By faith, talking about Abraham, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. Abraham lived in tents, say tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him, some and to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations and whose architects and builders were God. And they did not receive the things promised, only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return and go back. But instead, they were longing for a better country, longing for a better home, longing for a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you have prepared something for us, Lord God. That as Paul said, a place where no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has been able to comprehend what you have prepared for us. Lord, I pray that you will get me through this sermon. Give me energy. Give me strength like you spoke through Isaiah. That I will have renewed strength like the eagle and run and not grow weary and walk and not faint and preach and not pass out. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. That last part wasn't actually in there, but... I thought I'd throw it in there just for you guys. Uh, so yesterday, as my mom was, uh, was sharing, I was, uh, I was totally hoodwinked into uh, running this half marathon. Uh, I'm usually like a 5K person. Where are my 5K people at? That's right. Like 5K, I'm good with. Like 5K, um, I could just roll out of bed and, and run. I could get through it. 13 miles, not so much. It's like one of those commitments that sounds really good when you make it, but then the night before... Not so much. You just shake your head. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Sounds really good when you're around a lot of people. Like, yeah, that would be great. Oh, you guys are doing it. I'll do it too. And so I, I was hoodwinked to do it. Uh, I, I didn't have that much time to, to train and get ready for it. Um, I, I had a, a few runs, uh, a couple little runs here and there. Uh, but then yesterday came, dreading it the whole day. I, I knew it was going to be bad. I knew it was going to be painful. I knew that it was going to be brutal. Uh, people are saying, why are you doing this to yourself, Pastor? Isaac, and I, the reason is I don't have one. I really don't. And I remember before the start of the race, there was about 5,000 runners, amazing day, beautiful weather, and I was honored to be able to pray for all the runners before the race. Pretty cool, right? Pastor Isaac getting to pray. And so, uh, you know, I'm praying, and, and part of my prayer was, Lord, have mercy on the souls of those who did not train, and, and just, just care, because I'm, I'm one of them. And, and when, when the race started, uh, coming about about like mile three, I'm thinking, like, why did I do this? I could be finished right now if this was a 5K. At about five miles, my phone rings, and I was so pumped because I was praying the whole time, Lord, please get, put Diamond into labor. Please put Diamond into labor. Because I knew that was my, my only saving grace was if I get that phone call that Diamond is in labor and, and I get picked up at mile five, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And actually my phone rang and, and I was like an answer to prayer, answer my phone and it's this guy, Wayne. And, and Wayne was like, where does the race start? I'm like, bro, you're like 45 minutes late. I'm on mile five. Stop calling me. 
frustrated. I'm angry. I'm sweating. It's brutal. The wind was against me at one point, and I realized there was no wind. It was just my own sluggish legs that were against me. And, and you, you get to a point where, where you're, you're, just, you're just hating yourself for doing this, but then you get to a point where you think it's possible. And I remember it was Arlene, Arlene Smith had this sign that, that said, uh, um, actually, I don't know what it said, but I just remember Arlene was holding it and she was cheering me on. And I said, I thought at that point in Bradley Beach as we're about to make that turn, I'm like, I could do this. And we make the turn and I got three miles left. And all of a sudden, I literally felt like, like the, the Elijah spirit come on me. Like, like, like I felt my feet were numb, yes. That's true. My knees were, were aching like crazy arthritic knees at 35 years old. God, I need a new body. And, and so finally, the last mile, it just kicked in. And it kicked in. And I, and I started getting my legs going. And they were moving. And they were moving. And then I saw this elderly woman that was in front of me. It is amazing how incredible some of these elderly women are at the half marathon. I do not know what they are on. We need to start drug testing at the run of Palooza. Because I saw this like, like, like seven-year-old woman in front of me. I'm like, I'm going to catch her. And so like I kicked it in. And at that same moment, Rocky came on Eye of the Tiger on my iPhone. I'm like, this is destiny. God is shining on me today. And I start chasing after this elderly woman. And I realize that she is going faster than me. What is wrong with me? I am sprinting as fast as I can. And I cannot catch this 70-year-old woman. And, I, and I'm starting like little by little to gain on her. And of course, I checked the, the, the stats. She beat me by two hundredths of a second. Two hundredths of a second. Cross the finish line. Let me tell you something. I crossed that finish line, and all of that pain, it just went away in that moment. All of that, I just, I realized I did it. I didn't stop running. Even though everything in my body wanted to quit and give up, there was just something in me. It said, don't stop. And, and I, I crossed the finish line, and it was so cool. They give you medals. Um... I, don't, I thought maybe I'd preach with my medal on today. I thought that would be too corny, so I left it home. And then after they put the medal on you, uh, there was somebody that, that said to me, and this is so perfect because it fit into my sermon so well, uh, after they said, they said, you made it, welcome home. And I thought that was just so refreshing to hear. Isn't that like, like two of the most refreshing words to hear, welcome home? After you've been on a, on a treacherous journey, you've been traveling, you've been, you've been straining, and then finally you hear those words, welcome home. I want you to know those are the words that we are going to be able to hear the moment that we take our last breath here on earth and our first breath in heaven. That no matter how difficult it gets here on earth, no matter how painful it gets, no matter what is done to us or not done for us, when we get to heaven, we are going to be able to hear those comforting words, welcome home. Because what we are doing right now is temporary. The Bible says that we are like strangers in a foreign land. That we're just here on a mission, baby. We have been sent by God. I, I think it was uh, uh, Blues Brothers. I'm on a mission from God. That's what we are. We're on a camping mission from God. And while we're here, this is our residence right here. Temporary. Everything we have is temporary. Everything that we have is, is given to us. And it is temporary. We're not going to be able to keep it and hold it any longer. And, and what is so encouraging about what it means to be a Christian is even on the worst day of our life, we actually get to enjoy the best day of our life. 
Because on the worst day, when we finally take our last breath here on earth, because of what Jesus did for us, what the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. And we're able in that moment to take our first breath in heaven, a place where there's no more tears, no more pain, no more knee problems, no more neck pain, no more, you know, elderly women beating you in a half marathon. Maybe that still will happen in heaven, not sure. Uh, but it's a moment that we're going to be able to say, welcome, I have arrived. And these disciples had a lot of fear about death, which I think a lot of people do. I think uh, last time I checked, fear was the number two thing people are most afraid of, death. Number one is what, Diamond? Public speaking. Which means people would rather be in the casket than with the microphone at the funeral. Um, stupid joke, I know. Um, but that, that's, it, people are afraid of death because it's uncertain. There's so much questioning that, that goes into it. And that's where these disciples are feeling. And Jesus says to them as they're questioning death and they're, they have a lot of trouble in their heart. A lot of anxiety in their heart because they've been walking with Jesus for three and a half years now. And every time they had a need, there was Jesus. Every time they, they, they were hungry or they had a question, there was Jesus. And now this Jesus is going to be gone. But what's so amazing about what Jesus says to him later on in this chapter is when I go, something much better is going to come. Because I have to go so that I could give you my spirit. So that when the Lord ascended into heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is within us. God came to be with us, but the Holy Spirit now lives within us. So in the same way that the disciples were able to have Jesus to comfort them in the midst of a storm, they were able to have Jesus help them through difficult seasons in their life, we have the Holy Spirit to be able to get us through those same seasons in life where he will never leave us nor forsake us. So Jesus is saying that this body is limiting who I am and I have to go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And here's Jesus saying, let not your hearts be troubled. A lot of people have troubled hearts these days, I think. I think a lot of people in here, if you're honest with yourself, your heart is troubled. Your heart is achy. You, you have this uneasiness inside of you of the unknown. There's so many questions that probably reside inside of your heart, and I want to give you the first takeaway is, is this, is that Jesus is the answer to the ache within. I, I look at life kind of like a puzzle, um, and if you know anything about puzzles, the best part of any puzzle is what? The last piece. Just like you're doing a puzzle, you work on it, and then you put the last piece in, and just like, bam, how do you like them apples? That's at least how I do it. And uh, just this, this past week, uh, I was doing a puzzle uh, with, with Princess Lily. Loves puzzles. Loves to play Guess Who. Don't ever play Lily and Guess Who. Because she will own you. She will, I've never beaten her. She's amazing. And uh, this past week, um, I w I'm playing, uh, uh, doing a little puzzle with Lily. And um, it it's funny about Lily this week. She's, she's hysterical. I just got to throw this in there. Uh, so Lily, uh, we get a phone call from the nurse that uh, uh, Lily's sick. She threw up. 
So we got to go. I, I'm, I'm in meetings. I got to go. I got to go pick her up. Diamond was out at a doctor's appointment. And, and so uh, I go. I pick Lily up. And, and, and she's, you know, oh, stomach, stomach. And I'm like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. What do you want? I'll do whatever you want. I don't want you to feel better. We go home. And, and we, we start to play some games and everything. And then I'm asking her, like, like Lily, like, how bad was it? Where did you throw up? And she was like, oh, daddy, April Fool's. I'm like, you little... <laughs> so you see that little princess Lily. Ooh, Diamond's like, we're going to have a tough time with her. <laughs> but, but Lily, I, I remember there was this one puzzle me and Lily would always want to do. And uh, I don't know where it went, but th there was one piece that was always missing. And it was so frustrating because uh, it, it, was, it was like you do all this work and then there's always one piece missing. Can anyone relate to that in life? It seems like there's always one piece missing. It's like what, once you get one part of your life in order, there's another piece that's missing. And then you find that piece and then there's another piece missing. It's like you're always chasing. You're always chasing, trying to finish the puzzle that you can never finish because you're missing that one piece. Because when you live that way, you're always chasing. Always chasing something, something else, something more. Like nothing can seem to ever satisfy or fulfill you. And it's because your heart is troubled. Disciples' heart, hearts are troubled. And there was another time Jesus used the same word when the disciples were out in the, in the middle of the sea. And uh, Jesus had sent them in the sea. Jesus said, uh, meet me on the other side. And so the disciples get in a boat and go to the other side. And while they're in the sea, like a cat four uh, storm just, just comes out of nowhere. And all of a sudden, the disciples are, are panicked. Their hearts are troubled, the Bible says. And, and the Bible says that the wind is against them. And they're rowing and they're straining. But the wind's against them. And they began to, to lose sight of what God promised them when the storm wasn't existing. See, this is, this is a takeaway. Don't ever forget what God promised you in the sun now that you're in the shade. Because just because you're in the shade doesn't mean that God's promise has changed. God is still going to take those disciples to the other side. He promised that to them. That's where our faith comes in, in the promise, not in the circumstances that surround us. And so they're, they're straining in the storm. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is such like a conniver. He's, he's so funny. I, I think it's hysterical when you read the Bible. He tells them to meet me on the other side. He knows that there's a storm coming. And, and, and so Jesus just starts walking in the water to them. And it says that as he's walking in the water to them, that he would have passed them by. Did you know it says that? That he, he, he was waiting to be wanted. Do you know that Jesus is waiting to be wanted? That he's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on you. He's waiting right next to you to reach out and receive him into your boat so he can calm your troubled heart and your troubled soul. He's not going to uh, force himself on you. I always see a... Uh, Jesus is like a, like a motion-sensitive God, like, like the exercise bike. You know, uh, that's like what faith is. Uh, you, you go on the exercise bike, there's nothing on the screen. You go on the, there's nothing on the screen. What do you have to do to get the directions to pop up on the screen? You got to get moving. That's right. You got to hop on and start moving, and then all of a sudden, the direction will come. That's how Jesus works a lot of time. It's like you go in the bathroom, and in order to get the water flowing, you got to have some motion. That's how he's a motion-sensitive God. And so uh, he, he is received into the boat. And as he's received into the boat, suddenly 
the storm ceases and suddenly the calming comes in that moment because Jesus is the answer to your ache within. See, you are made for more. You are made for a place and you are made for a person. That place is heaven and that person is Jesus. And until you find and start going towards that direction with Jesus, the good shepherd leading you, you will always be looking for another puzzle piece. You will always be chasing something more. You will always be searching, trying to itch this ache inside of your soul and you'll never be able to find it until you realize that this is not your home. You were designed for so much greater than this tent. There is something more to living than just temporarily what you're facing right now. And if you're honest with yourself, you know that's true. John chapter 14, verse 2. Jesus looks at the disciples and says, it says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? He's preparing a home for you in heaven right now. The moment you put your faith in Jesus, that's the moment that he begins preparing a heavenly home for you. Where you're going to spend all of eternity. That you're going to be able to to see those who have gone on before you. What an awesome God we serve. But when you constantly are thinking about what's right in front of you, the title, how do you open up? I always struggle with this. Here it is. I'm not a tent person. I would never stay in a tent, just so you know. I'm not a camping person. But I, I do have this that I want to show you that I think illustrates well what eternity is like. And what this life we're living right now is like. It's always annoying, like, trying to, like, untangle these things. And we need one of those things from Home Depot, the detanglers. Anyone ever seen one of these before? They're long, right? Just imagine that this goes on forever. Say forever. 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 And this is your, your soul. This is your soul. Because your body is going to die, but your soul is eternal. It lives forever. Bodies like that tent, it's temporary. And this white strip right here, this is, this is your life, Rick. This is, you, we'll, we'll just, we'll just be, be generous. I think 80, 80 years old, this is 80 years right here. 80 years in this white strip. And then the orange is, is your life after. Just keeps on going and going and going. And yet we are so focused on this all the time. We make our decisions based on this. We get stressed out because I'm stressed out in this moment, but I want you to know it's temporary. And, and we get so concerned the way people treat us here and, and we hold on to things. But if you realize that this is so insignificant about what you're going to do in eternity, the life that you have in eternity, this pales in comparison to what is ahead of you. And when you put your faith in the way, the truth, and the life, you don't have to be so concerned about what people do to you here and, and how people treat you and how it's so unfair. I want you to know that every wrong will be made right when you find your 
heavenly home, the place that Jesus is preparing for you. All those things that you're angry and bitter about, you need to let them go because they will all be made right one day. You just have to keep running and get to that finish line. I love what Paul said. He said, I'm getting ready to go. I know that my time is coming and I've fought the good faith. I've fought the good fight and I've kept the faith and I've finished the race and there is a crown of righteousness stored up for me in heaven. That is the promise of Jesus. And he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Number one, he is the way to God. That's it. He's the way to God because we need a, a way to God because we cannot get there on our own. It's like my mom trying to figure out how to use her new iPhone. It's just not happening. All the intelligence inside of my mom, which is a lot, very intelligent woman, she is just not going to figure out that one on her own. She needs some help. We need some help. Some of you need more help than others, but that's another message called keeping it real. But we, we need help because, I mean, look at Lily, six years old, April Fool's. Because we, we have this, this, this nature of selfishness inside of us, every one of us. We, we have the, these sins inside of us, as good as we are, as many old ladies as we walk across the street. Uh, even if we pay our taxes right to the dime, we try and uh, abide by all the rules and all the laws, and we're a good person, and we serve 100 hours a month at the Jersey Shore Dream Center. Doesn't matter. That does not get us back to God, because God's standard is perfection. You have to live a perfect life in order to be in relationship with God. And for so long, there's this barrier between us and God. And we have this longing to want to be able to make it to that heavenly home. We want to be able to have relation with our creator, with our God, the one that created us, the one that put the gifts and talents inside of us, who, who made us before we were ever born. We need, we want to have a relationship with him. And yet there is this barrier blocking us from that. Recently, I, I read this story about these teenagers that got trapped in a mine in West Virginia. And they uh, were trapped and the, the, the mine collapsed and they were panicked and there was no way in. There was no way to get in there because the old way had collapsed. So this is what they did. They made a new way. And they drilled from the top a new entrance, a new way for the kids to be able to be rescued and saved. And that is exactly what Jesus did for us, is that when there was no way for us to get to God. He said, I'm gonna come down to them and make a way where there is no way. He's a way maker. And when he died on the cross for us, he took on our sin and he made a way so that we could find a relationship with our creator, so that we could find our way back to that heavenly home that we have prepared for us in heaven. He said, I am the way. And I need that. You need that. I need that sometimes every day because Rick you fall Bible says Rick Hankins may fall seven times but he gets back up because he's got a good Garmin rerouter anyone ever have one of those original Garmin's you remember what, what was your favorite voice that you would want to do in the Garmin Australian. <laughs> I can't stand Australian accents. They just annoy me but uh, I love you whoever said that uh, yeah Australia anybody else anybody else I wish they had like a Jersey accent on there. Like I feel like when we're greeted into heaven that the angel's gonna have a Jersey accent. Like, hey bro, welcome, we got chicken farm in the back. You made it, you know. 
No? Okay, all right, no, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, but I, I remember we, uh, we had this Garmin, and this person would always play a prank on us and put the, the Yeti voice as the voice. Did anyone know that there was a Yeti on the Garmin? So, like, the Yeti would just be like, and we're, we're like, we got in the car, and we're like, who's barking at us? It was the, it was the Garmin. All right, that wasn't in my notes. Uh, but, but, you know, the Garmin was great because uh, when, you would, when you would mess up, right, Australian accent, like the Australian accent, a person wouldn't make fun of you. Wouldn't say, John, you're so stupid. Why did you go left? I'm just going to shut down and never talk to you again. No, the Garmin didn't do that. What did the Garmin do, John? The Garmin said, rerouting. Say that with me. Re. Routing. Don't you love the reroute? You don't even have to tell it to reroute. It does it for you. And then it gives you another way to get home. And then if you miss another turn, it doesn't mock you. It's, it gives you a new way to get a new way to get. It may take a little longer to get there, but you're still going to get there. You are still going to make it home. I'm so thankful for a Savior that knows how to reroute us. That when we fall and we fail, he doesn't push us down and abandon us, but he reroutes us and say, you're just going to have to go a different direction. He is a way maker. Number two, he's the way to God. Number two. He is the truth about God. He's the truth. I was like to say it like that with two S, the truth. I had this friend, uh, and everything, everything was the truth. Man, that cheeseburger was the truth, yo. It's like, it's a burger. What are you talking about? He's the truth, yo. Someone said to me uh, last week, Pastor Isaac, that message was the truth. You just keep, I'm like, all right, I like that. I'm going to use that as one of my points next week. So we got Jesus is the truth about God. You want to know who God is? Jesus. You want to know God's character? Jesus. You want to know how God loves? Jesus. God sent his son to show the world his character, his essence, who he is. And, and the truth isn't like going to Baskin-Robbins, 31 flavors. There's not 31 flavors of the truth. Did you, did you know that? It's not 31 flavors. There's just one truth. One truth. As much as we want to argue it, I remember when I was a kid, um, I... I wanted to say, you know the word infinity? I thought it was a fivity. And I'd go to my mom, I'd say, Mom, it's a fivity. It's a fivity. You know, Judah the other day, he's going over his times tables. He's like, seven times six is 44. I'm like, no, it's not Judah, it's 42. 44! And he's like angry at me, like, why are you angry? I'm trying to help you. The truth is the truth. There's not versions of the truth. I feel like that, that's difficult for us because we want versions of the truth. And Jesus said, I am the truth. That's it. You know, if you want to, you, uh, you know, eat healthier, you know, you, you could want to eat healthy as bad as you want. And you could say that you want to eat healthy. And I'm going to go to McDonald's and I'm going to eat healthy. No, you're not. As much as you want to say, I'm going to McDonald's to eat healthy. No, you're not. You're not going to lose weight going to McDonald's. And you may offend people that like McDonald's. You may offend McDonald's. And I don't care. I'm sorry, McDonald's. But that's not the truth. As much as you want it to be the truth, I would love it to be the truth if I got to go to McDonald's and eat all I want. And that would be phenomenal. But it's not the truth. You can't change the truth. The truth is that a lot of people these days, um, 
say this phrase, I, I actually Googled it, called live your truth. Anyone ever heard that? Live your truth. You know, make up your own truth. Your truth is what you feel. What feels right to you. God, if I base my truth off of how I feel, I would be so lost. I need a savior because I'm like Lily, six years old, April Fool's. I need help. I need direction. I need a garment to tell me the truth because I can't trust myself and my feelings because my heart is troubled. People say, follow your heart. Yeah, but if your heart is troubled, you're going to lead yourself right into more trouble. You know, follow the truth. That truth might be a trap if it's not according to Jesus. See, we think the the first sin was some, some horrible thing, right? You know, the, the, first, the first sin we read about in Genesis 3 was just believing a lie. That's it. See, once you believe a lie, it becomes truth to you. But it doesn't change it. And the serpent knows that if he could get you to believe a lie, then he has you. He has you. But I love what... what what God did in the garden when they believed the lie from the serpent. And suddenly shame came on them and suddenly they started covering up themselves because that's what we do when, when, when we know that we're living a lie is we try and cover it. Try and cover up how we look. We cover it up with how we talk. We cover it up with where we live. We try and cover up our shame and our sin. And as they're covering up their sin, all of a sudden God comes to them. I love it. Because he pursues you. No matter what you do, no matter how far you go, you can't hide from God. He's everywhere. He made you. He made this place. And God comes to them. And he says to them, you know, what's going on, Adam? What, what, what happened? And Adam says, says oh, oh we, we, were, we were naked. And so we, we were ashamed. And, and so we had to cover ourselves. And this is what God's voice says. He said, who told you that? I feel like that's the reason why so many of you have troubled hearts is someone has told you something and you believed it, but it was a lie. Amen. Who told you that just because you didn't have a father doesn't mean that you could be a father? Because God is the father to the fatherless. And when you are adopted into his family, suddenly he gives you the ability to be a father in the way that you never had a father. Who told you that the grace of God meant that you could just live however you wanted to live and follow your own truth? No. Because God says that, that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and acknowledge me, I will direct your past home to where you belong. He's a good God. Who told you that, that, that you, you are going to be an addict the rest of your life because that's the way you've been for this long and that's the way your father was. But Jesus said that I have come to break all the chains of addiction, that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Who told you that the way that your life has been is going to be the way it's going to be forever not God you believe the lie you believe the thief and God is coming with a voice of truth saying that there is restoration there is a renewed mind that you could have there is something on the other side of your shame that if you put your trust in me I'm going to be able to fill in all those gaps I'm going to be able to calm your troubled hearts and I'm going to be able to take you from this temporary home and bring you into a heavenly place 
Who told you that? The voice of truth will follow you into a life of blessing. Don't believe the lies. Number three. You good? You getting something out of this? Number three. I am the life in God. I am the way to God. I am the truth about God. And I am the life in God. You want to know who I am? I am the life in God. You don't know what life is like unless you experience it with me by your side. I am the life. All of us need to understand that Jesus came not for behavior modification, but for heart transformation. That is the reason why he, he came to die for us. Because we were dead. See, we think that, that sin makes you bad, John. It doesn't make you bad. Sin makes you dead. The wages of sin is death. That's right. It makes you dead from the inside out. That's, that's what it does. And, and that's why every single testimony is amazing. I know we put a lot of stock in someone who gets up here on a stage or, 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 or someone who has a testimony. I was in jail for four years, and, and, and I was uh, uh, addicted to drugs for two years, and then I found Jesus, and then, you know, uh, he, he saved me, and he, he made me alive in him. That's great, but you know what's just as great? I was raised in church. I was a good person. I thought that I was self-righteous within who I was, but then I realized that I needed a Savior, and you know what? That testimony is just as powerful as any other testimony because last time I checked, dead is dead. There's no degrees to dead. Oh, they're like six degrees dead. They're really dead. That person's not so much dead. Doesn't matter. We're all dead. And yet Jesus says, I am the life in God. The three most asked questions are this. What is the way? What is the truth? And what is the meaning of life? The three questions of our hearts. And I remember in my life, I had so many questions. You know, my mom got up here and, and shared a little bit about where I came from, which I still don't really even know. <laughs> <laughs> Some reason my birth certificate says Wall Township. <laughs> That's Fugazi. <laughs> but, you know, I, I had my whys. I still have some, I, I don't know why. I don't know why I was given up. I don't know why this tragedy happened in my life. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Anybody, can you relate to this? You know, I, I feel like somewhere we all have whys in our heart. And I feel like, yeah, I still have some, some. But one of the most powerful answers that I got was this. Remember this. Remember these words from this pastor on his birthday, two days before his birthday. But do this for me. This be your birthday present to me. Remember this. When you find your why, 
it will answer the whys in your life. When you find the reason God put you on this earth, so many of those questions that you have from your past, why? Why was I allowed to go through this? Why was I adopted? Why was this? Suddenly, God will begin to turn that why into a reason for you to live. Because it was bad and, and it might have hurt, but you know what? It's not about the white strip. It's about this part. And God will use the white strip and all the pain and brokenness, and he will use it, if you will allow him to, to help others get connected to that Savior. When I found out why God put me on this earth, all those things that were done to me, all those hurts, all those things that were bullied in my, in my past, you know what? I understand why God allowed me to go through it because he could turn it and use it for his good. And that may be offensive to some people and that may be something in your mind that you cannot comprehend right now. But just keep going. Just keep running. Just stay in the story. Just keep pursuing God. He's okay with your doubts. You're here. You're in church and you have doubts, that's okay. Thomas had doubts. <laughs> and yet he was one of Jesus' disciples. God is okay with your doubts. And I'm telling you, if you stay in the story and you keep pursuing what you do know about God, that he wants you to forgive, that he wants you to love others, that he wants you to pursue righteousness, that he wants you to be able to love your neighbors. All, I, I, I'm telling you, as you walk in your calling and love your family and, and, and be able to keep pursuing and moving forward, all those answers are going to come. Because this is temporary right here, right? This tent, this is temporary. The one day, this tent... I didn't do this in the first service. This tent is going to get torn up, beat up, arthritis in the knees, high blood pressure, all, all this stuff that, that is going to eat away at your tent and all this pain and all this stuff that you're going through in your tent. But I want you to know that you're going to get to heaven one day. And you're going to be able to look your Savior in the eyes and be able to realize it was all about Him. That my life was a gift to Him. And that I might have went through pain and I went, went through sorrow down here, but it's over. I have finished my race. I have kept the faith. And I'm telling you that I get to spend in, in eternity with an amazing God that has made me in His image and has given me the gift of eternal life. And that is all that is right there. So... My tent might be real pretty right now, or my tent might be real jacked up. But the real question is, how's your heart? How's your heart? Because if your heart is pure, and no matter what this world does to your tent, no matter what they throw at your tent, doesn't change who my heart belongs to. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Some people that offends, I, I know that. 
I realize that. And I, I know that that brings up a lot of questions in a lot of people's head. How could Jesus be the only way? Let me ask you this. You're drowning in the ocean. And one helicopter comes. And one person comes to reach out their hand to save you. Are you going to be angry and upset that more people didn't come to save you? You're, you're, you're going to embrace the one that did come. Because that's what Jesus did. He, he, he came off his heavenly throne down to earth to come and pull your hand out of the, sin, uh, of the sea of sin so that you can have abundant life and eternal life. He came. And I know that there's a lot of questions, but don't reject the hand just because you have questions. Don't stay in that sinking life just because you have questions. Take the hand that's reaching for you. Amen. Let's just bow our heads and just close in prayer. Father, we, we thank you so much for, for this morning, Lord God, and what it means, Lord, that we're not here by accident, that we came here this morning to hear this message, Lord. I pray, Father, that the doubts in our heart, Lord God, will be overcome by the faith. That the doubts may never go away, but as our faith grows, our doubts will begin to seem so much smaller. God, I pray that everyone in here, that we'll have security knowing where we stand with you. That we have a heavenly home with you. How do you do that? You just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Just say, God, I believe you died for me. I believe that you're my Savior. And now I am justified. Now I have security in my heart. I don't have to be troubled about death. Because I know where I stand. And we thank you for that promise, that assurance, God. Help us to walk in it. Help us be bold in it. Help us to live not just for the temporary, but for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, if you would.